Welcome back to Sisters Without Shame and No Holds Pod podcast that is proudly brought to you by Healthform Zanzi. I'm your host, Nolutando Ngakani, and I'm here to hold your hand as you seek answers to those embarrassing questions you dare not ask in public. This podcast is a safe space. your baby or toddler battling to hear irritable unable to sleep or clutching one or both of their ears if so they could have a condition known as glue ear contrary to what the name suggests glue ear is not actual glue in the ear thank goodness for that but rather a result of a build up of fluid in the middle ear to unpack more on how they managed to overcome glue ear, we received this voice note from a parent in crisis from Freiburg in the Northwest. My son had been sick and off from February this year. We found out in April that he had glue ear. We noticed his balance was off and how loud he spoke and how we had to repeat ourselves several times for him to hear. We also noticed how he wasn't eating. All he really wanted was to eat yogurt and pouches at home. Finally, after seeing the doctor several times and being referred to a specialist, we were booked for a date for my son to get grommets. I don't regret rushing to get it done because I've seen such an incredible difference. He eats proper meals, he loves fruit, he runs and he's getting better at jumping and his speech is improving rapidly. This week we are joined by ear, nose and throat specialist Dr. Lorraine Masoja who is based in Polokwane in Limpopo. An ear, nose and throat specialist or an ENT is a doctor who is trained in the medical and surgical treatment of the ears, nose, throat and related structures of the head and neck. She unpacks the causes and treatment of glue ear. Dr. Lorraine, what are the causes of glue ear and how serious is the condition? Medical term for glue ear is otitis media with effusion. It's a problem that affects the middle ear. Remember, the ear is divided into three parts, outer ear, middle ear, and inner ear. There's a problem with the pressures in the middle ear, and the tissues in the middle ear start secreting fluid, which can either be serous, like watery, or it can be like your typical glue. You can equate it to mucus that comes through the nose. So it would be like thick mucus in the middle ear. So when we have that, we say it's called glue ear. So the problem with that, your middle ear is supposed to have only air and the smallest bones in your body, the three smaller bones, nothing else. But now when you have glue ear, it affects hearing because now if you put your head in the swimming pool and I call you, you may not hear me clearly. So sound is not uh, properly transmitted through fluid media. It needs air for proper transmission, so it can affect your hearing, but it can also lead to more serious problems in that if there is a chronic ear infection, it may affect the bones that I was talking about, but the infection can even spread further than the middle ear. So it is a problem. Is it very common in children? It's common in children. You can get it in adults, but it's very common in children, yes. 
Dr. Lorraine, can you tell us, you know, what are the symptoms of gluia? The child may start complaining about pain in the ears or irritation, but the very small kids who can't talk, you may see them shaking, shaking their heads or hitting the head frequently with their hands or pulling the ear because of the pressure in the ear. Or you may start seeing that the child cannot hear properly. Sometimes we miss that as parents. We think children are not you. We call them five times before they answer. If you send a child to get something, you will talk three times or five times before they actually do it. And we think they are naughty only to find that they cannot hear properly. So it may be pain or irritation in the ear and hearing problem. Does it normally go unchecked? Like you said now, the parent might say that, no, this child is just being naughty, can't it? They are suffering and stuff. It can be. The thing is, uh, we don't really take our children for routine medical exams. Mm. And if we do, they will check their heart, the lungs, whether your child is developing properly or not. So the ears may be missed, unless if the parents may say something about the ears, or you get a doctor who really looks into the ears and say, but there's something wrong with this case. And some of the patients, we see them when they come to consult for other things. Maybe let me tell you about the commonest causes for flu ear. Just a simple flu. If you have stress flu, you can have flu ear because what happens is that the station tube, which is the communication between the back of the nose and your middle ears, it gets blocked. It can be blocked from anything, even a simple flu. So you may bring your child for flu. While we're assessing your child for the flu, we notice that the child also has flu ears. But it can also be blocked by things like adenoids. I don't know if you know adenoids, the tonsils that we usually find behind the nose. And the parents may bring the children for, uh, for example, snoring. Snoring is it's due to a blockage somewhere in your upper respiratory tract. And we find that they've got this adenoids that I'm talking about. And due to the blockage of the patient shoot from the adenoids, then the child gets to hear. It's usually missed, but if you go to a doctor like a pediatrician or an ENT who thinks about it when they examine patients, then the parents saying, I think there's a problem with my children's ears. Thank you for clarifying that, Doc. How then is glue ear treated? I read about grommets. How have they improved hearing following the glue ear diagnosis? So the first treatment is medical. It's not with surgery. First treatment is medical, depending on the cause, obviously. We treat glue ear, we we will never give you an eardrop because it's in the middle ear and the eardrop won't reach the middle ear at this stage. It will probably be nasal sprays. And this is what I tell patients about. You come to me because of an ear problem, but I give you a nasal spray. It's not a mistake. It's because we want to open up the eustachian tube. If it's an infection, obviously, there'll also be antibiotics that are prescribed. And should it not resolve, or should it be due to structural problems, like I gave you an example of patients that have adenoids, the tonsils behind their nose. So it's a structural problem. It will never respond to surgery. Then you have to remove the obstruction. At the same time, you go and open up the ears. I'll talk about grommets just now. 
The other condition is cleft palate. Children with cleft palate are more prone to have PPS because they have dysfunctional eustachian tubes. So their eustachian tubes are not functioning properly. So clearly those patients, medication will not work. So that's when you will say, okay, now I need surgery. So it will be patients with structural problems or glue ear that is not responding to medical treatment. Then we take the child to theater. It can be done in the consulting rooms, by the way. It's just that it's not easy because there must be a bit of anesthesia for the child not to feel pain and the child must sit still. Otherwise, you may damage the ear trap. That's why most of us prefer taking them to theater. It's a very short procedure, like 10 minutes, but it's just for safety. So what happens is that we cut the eardrum. It's just a small neck, and we suck out all the glue in the middle ear. That is the thick mucus that we equate to glue. Suck it out. And then, because the problem is the ventilation with the middle ear, then we put what we call grommets. So grommets are artificial ventilation tubes. There are different types of grommets. The doctors know how and when to decide which ones to use. Then we put them through that small cut in the eardrum. They've got a hole in the middle. Then they ventilate the middle ear. So you can have grommets in your ears for years, a few months, doesn't matter. They are extremely small. You will never even feel anything. We use a microscope when we put them, that's how small they are. I always say to patients, they're like a tip of a pen, the way they are so small. So those are grommets, artificial ventilation tubes. They are very helpful because now they equalize the pressures in the middle ear. And because the high pressure is the one that leads to the continuous secretion of the mucus in the ear. So once the pressure is soft, then the mucosa, which is the lining of the middle ear, uh, heals, sort of heals, and it doesn't overproduce anymore, and things go back to normal. When there is fluid and high pressure in the middle ear, your hearing will be affected. So now when you go to, put, uh, to theater and put in grommets, the first thing you suck out the thick fluid, automatically you have improved the hearing. And then you put in the grommets, so they allow air to fill in the space again. Remember I said initially, your middle ear only has air and the small holes. So air is very important in the middle ear for sound transmission. So when these patients come out of theater, their hearing improves immediately. When the parents bring the kids back for follow-up consultations, they will tell you the TV is no longer loud, the games are no longer loud. When we talk loud, sometimes the child will say, mommy, you're making noise. So they actually realize the, the change. Even the school teachers, eh, they will tell them, even the teachers at uh, daycare, they tell them, no, now she says we're talking loud. She doesn't want noise anymore. So it does improve hearing a lot. You know, speaking of improving lives and stuff, can diet in any way cause glue ear? It is believed that it may be due to also allergies. Patients who have food allergies are more prone to have glue ear. And you know, in kids, the commonest thing is dairy. There are studies that show that dairy may cause glue ear. 
but we believe that it's probably allergy-based mechanism. So if you notice that your child has reaction to dairy, for example, where it will start, it usually starts with your nose. The nose will react, the eustachian tube will close, and then we will have issues with the methylene. So it definitely plays a role. When you talk about diet, you just reminded me about bottle feeding. Mothers who bottle feed their children lying down, they also put them at risk of having PBS because the, the milk can go via the station tube into the middle ear. So that's why mothers are always encouraged to wake up and sit and hold their babies upright and feed. I know with the winter that we had this year, it may not be easy for a mom to wake up at 2 a.m. and actually sit up, but we encourage that for the benefit of the child. Since the COVID-19 pandemic, we are learning that, you know, prevention is better than cure nowadays for our ailments. So can you tell us how can glue ear be prevented? The main problem usually starts with the nose. Remember I said we can get it in adults, but we're talking mainly about kids now. As soon as you realize you have a problem with the nose, like patients with sinuses, for example, or you have severe flu, you must get treatment. You must go consult. As soon as you realize that your child is snoring, remember it's not only about the breathing, but the station tube may get blocked and the child can get yes, you must consult and get help. As soon as you realize that your child has allergies to certain food items, it's not easy in children, but you must really be strict about the diet because we get mummies who say, but my child likes cake or yogurt or whatever, but the child is reacting. So it doesn't help giving a child yogurt because the child loves yogurt, whereas you can give dairy-free yogurt if it's available. You must just be careful because it may not just be glucose. There may be other serious conditions that may follow. Children born with congenital anomalies, like example, cleft palate, as I've told you, it is very important for those patients to be fully assessed, as in head to toe, including ears. And I see a lot of parents not taking hearing loss seriously in children. It may be ignorance. And even some doctors miss it. So I always say to the parents, once you see every time the child is watching cartoons, the TV volume is extremely high, or they are playing games on the phone or iPads or tablets, and the volume is extremely high, you call your child several times before they respond, or even if the teachers alert you, take it seriously and take your child to the doctor for them to be assessed. Because some parents say, the teacher says, but I don't believe that. And I always say to the parents, like for example, I'm at work, my kids are at school. So the teachers spend a lot of time with these children of ours. So we have to listen to them. You'd rather go get help and you're told everything is fine than to miss something serious. Thank you for joining this week's episode of Sisters Without Shame, Dr. Masoja. For more on glue ear, visit healthformzanzi.co.za. Now remember, if you are in a medical bind and looking for a shoulder to cry on, 
you can send an email to hello at healthformzanzi.co.za. Alternatively, you can hit us up on WhatsApp on 076-132-0454. I would never blue tick you, babes. When your tots have a cold, germs from the throat can travel up in the middle ear and cause an infection. Like Dr. Masoja explained, it's not uncommon for small children to have lots of ear infections in one year, sometimes as often as once every month. The good news is that most infections can get better quickly and are not usually serious. Other times, however, a trip to your family doctor may be on the cards. Get your babies checked, Mzanzi. That brings us to the end of episode 58 of Sisters Without Shame, proudly brought to you by Healthful Mzanzi. From me, Nolu Tandangakani, have a great week and remember to show your girl some love by sharing this podcast with a friend.